Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host uh, today, Chris Beasley, and I'm joined by regular guest Gavin Buckland. And over at Echo Towers, we've got um, the gruesome twosome themselves, um, Conor O'Neill and um, and Joe Thomas, who have, have tried to uh, confuse us there by putting their names the wrong way around on the caption. But we'll uh, we'll we'll move on from that um, swiftly. Um, yeah, uh, pre- preparing for Everton's uh, return, long-awaited return to um, Premier League action on Boxing Day when the Blues host um, bottom club Wolverhampton Wanderers. And uh, you were at the uh, pre-match uh, press conference today, um, Joe, over at. Finch Farm. Um, obviously, we all saw the top table stuff as always from from Frank. But um, how did you find him? Because obviously, you get to do the, the breakout afterwards. Um, what kind of uh, spirits was Frank in? Yeah, he seemed in relatively positive spirits. I think um, obviously we're all in the uh, the the, you know, the the festive spirit because of Christmas and things like that. But um, although obviously it's still a busy time for them. Um, but yeah, no, he, he he seemed quite relaxed. I think I think uh, his messages are. I think, I think as everyone at the club's probably a little bit nervous going into Wolves because I think, let's be honest, it's an absolutely huge game and you know nothing will get decided and we're not going to talk about must-win games or things like that. But I think it's important after such a long break and after how bad, because it was bad that last week before the break was, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting, really important that Everton set a positive tone going into that game. And I think you often see this from Frank kind of in the build-up to those type of games where, you know, Obviously, there's only so much he can do. You, you know, there's only, you can only prepare the players to a certain extent and do tactics and put them on the pitch. And then what happens over the 90 minutes, you know, is, is down to the 22 players and the subs that that get on there. And I think, I think everybody at the club, just like everybody within the fan base, is in the same position. Where probably a little bit glad that things are back, looking forward to things being back, but also kind of staring at that game against Wolves and thinking. Oh, you know, I mean, a win would be fantastic. A defeat would be dreadful. A draw, we don't know where we stand, but there's a lot riding on it. So I think um, everyone's probably a little bit apprehensive and a little bit anxious, but he wasn't really showing that. I thought he came across pretty well today. Yeah. And Gav, I suppose a a big factor will be that... um... That break. If this game had come, you know, a week after the the, the double day barkle at, at Bournemouth, it would have been obviously very different. But the reality is that there has been that six week um, gap in between now, and it is a, a, a rather different picture. But of course, it's, it doesn't take away anything in terms of the importance of the Boxing Day fixture. Yeah, we spoke about this last time. It's it's like the start of the season again, isn't it? In some yeah. respects, because you've got got six weeks, five six weeks off. Um, I think it was almost unanimously appreciated that the break was good time for us to sort of regroup again after the double debacle. Nice uh, phrase, Chris, about yeah. that ball, um, which it was. Let's let's not let, let's pay to them the other way. Yeah. So I think and you know you've heard it, you know whispers this week. It was a good opportunity for us to try and get certain parts of the team working again. And and uh, I said on 
said earlier on the week that for me it's it's getting that attack to gel, isn't it? Really getting getting out the wing play and the, and the, the forward play, whoever the forward is, whether it's Mope or Calvert Lewin yeah. or both. Um, I know we may talk about that later. Um, you know, getting that to to, to start operating effectively because that though defensively we're cracking a little bit before um, before the break. Well, how many goals is it? Eleven? Is it fifteen games? Is it kind of yes. yeah? That's not. That's seven or eight more less than what you should be getting, shouldn't it? Really, and, and I think that I hope if you use that five six weeks productively, it's in that area in the pitch as a priority. Yeah, um, Connor. Um, one of the things that was was mentioned as, as often is is the case is Dominic Calvert Lewin's fitness, and unfortunately, as for it, as seems to be the case for most of the season, he just seems to be coming off um, yet a. Another injury, and it seems reading between the lines of what Frank was saying, he might not quite be there at the moment. Yeah, I think well, it's not three injuries, isn't it? Because before the break, he had three, didn't he? The, the yeah. shoulder, hamstring, and, and the knee from the summer. Yeah, I don't think we will see Calvert Lewin on, on Boxing Day. I think, given the way Frank's talking, I think they're, they're very cautious, aren't they? Whatever you've seen so far this season, you know, Frank's not being one to put him in the deep end when he, when he doesn't really need to and he doesn't think he wants to do that to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think Frank will also look at the bigger picture like he has done this season already in terms of the games to come. I've seen Everton go to the Etihad on New Year's Eve, then Brighton at home, Man United away, and then we're into January and it's, you know, there's, there's more big games, you think of Southampton and West Ham. So I think, given away Frank's talk, I think it's almost preparing for us when it seems he drops on Boxing Day, two o'clock, Calvert-Lewin won't be involved. Because I think they'll look to save him moving forward. I think the positive side is back on the pitch, he's back training. But like I said, we've been here before where before West Ham wasn't really trained, but he did he did make the squad. So it's not wouldn't be uncommon for him to have trained and then not being involved. So I think Frank Lampard, we've seen his cautious approach already. I think we'll see a repeat of that given the games haven't still got to come and, and I don't think they'll want to risk him too soon in the case of he breaks down, he's he's off for a longer period of time on the, the sidelines. Yeah, I mean Joe, would you expect it to be Neil Mopé leading the line then, because I suppose at least he he, he scored um, in Australia. He he got one this week in, in the behind closed doors um, fixture. And I mean, he he, he seems to have done um, done all right during this period after what's been a you know a tough start for him at Everton. Break came at a good time for a lot of people and a lot of reasons, and one of them was was Neil Mopé. I think you know it's interesting kind of speaking to people. I've written quite a lot around Neil Mopé in the past six weeks and, and quite a lot of people seem to have a bit of a down on him and, and don't think that he's capable of of, of, of providing the goals that, that Everton need. Obviously, he's never been a, a massive goal getter, but I certainly think he, con- he can contribute. And I think a lot of the problem in, in his contribution towards um, Everton's first half of the season was simply the fact that the team weren't really set up to play for them. You know, they weren't. You know, it felt like the whole saga of the first, or certainly from the end of the international first international break through to the double debacle, as you say, against Bournemouth, was will Calvert-Lewin be fit? Will he? Won't he? Will he? Won't he? Will he? Won't he? Felt like it was always a possibility that he might be. And it felt as I think I said this earlier on the week. Felt like they almost started every week on the basis thinking that Calvert-Lewin would come in. Then all of a sudden he wouldn't be able to, or he play for 60 minutes and then they'd have to throw Neil Mope in but wouldn't change the tactics around so you know again repeating myself from earlier in the week but what I hope is and what I think they'll have had no choice to do over this six weeks because Calvert-Lewin has, has been injured is they'll have had to have kind of adapt they'll have had to have played for Neil Mope they'll have had to have worked on 
that forward partnership, that frontline partnership. So you would really hope, you know, flickers of, of, of a, a growing understanding in, in Australia, but you would hope that Dwight McNeil, Damari Gray, Anthony, Anthony Gordon and, and Neil Mopai are closer to being all on the same wavelength now than they were, you know, six weeks ago. They've all been around. None of them have been on international duty. You know, they've all been around Finch Farm. They all went to Australia. It's easy to forget that, you know, Neil Mopai missed the first five games of Everton's season. You know, they've only played 15. He's only been around for 10. And Calvert-Lewin has obviously started some of those. So it's still very, very early in, in, in his Everton career. But I think one thing he will do is, I think over the next few weeks, he will get the chance to show us what he can do. I think at the minute he's got a legitimate argument to say, I haven't been given the best opportunity to succeed. You know, be patient. There's still more to come. I think what we are going to see over the next few weeks is plenty of Neil Mope. It's clear that he's going to be leading the front line uh, against Wolves. You know, Calvert-Lewin's back in training but it's still being spoken about in cautious terms. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the bench. Obviously, Evan don't have many attacking options. You know, you, you have you have three. You've got Neil Mope, you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you've got Tom Cannon. I'd be very, very surprised if Cannon isn't on the on the bench, isn't involved in the match day squad on, um, on, on, on Monday, because obviously it may well be that he's the second choice striker in terms of fitness. But I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see Calvert-Lewin on the bench. But, you know, I mean you'd hope that they'd only put him on the bench if they were prepared to use him because it would be an embarrassment if they put him on the bench hoping for a positive PR exercise. They're 1-0 down with 20 minutes to go and, they, and then they don't bring him on. I think it'll be showing up for, for, for what it might be, the fact that he'd been brought back too early. And that's obviously another danger that they don't want to countenance again, you know, going into a January, which is going to be difficult, which fans are going to be you know, scrutinising closely in every single move that the club makes to try and see what it does in the transfer window and when tactically and, and, you know, on and off the pitch. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting one. But I think Neil Mopé is going to get the chance. I think we'll see Tom Cannon get the chance this month as well because, you know, there's a plethora of football league clubs that want him. You know, I think the, the best case scenario for everybody is probably that he goes on loan. Probably that he goes on loan. Obviously, he's still only young. We don't want to put too much pressure on him. But at the minute, Everton don't have a lot of options. and you know, they probably need more than one attack in signing before they can be in a position to let Tom Cannon go. Uh, and I don't think that they'll have multiple attacking signings in place before, certainly before the FA Cup game against Manchester United, which I think is back into the first week of January. So that already gives you Wolves and Manchester before any, and Manchester City before any business can be done. And then Brighton and Man United in, in, in the FA Cup. So Tom Cannon will probably, albeit might only be in fits and starts at the end of matches, but he may well get the opportunity to make him an irresistible retention for Frank Lampard for the rest of the season. Yeah, Gav, as, as Joe mentions, you know, it could be a pivotal period really for, for Neil Mopé in terms of um, what, he, what he has to offer in, in the first team. I mean, the Echo understands that Everton are looking to bring in a couple of attacking options in, in the January transfer window. So given that he only signed for the club himself in, in, in August, um, as Joe said, hasn't really... Um, have much of a chance so far. Um, he'll be up to proof a point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you suspect the, the the attacking options may be to, to replace more more of Calvert Lewin than Neil Mopay, wouldn't you? Really, um, I would think. Given, I mean, as an aside, I don't think Frank exactly was full of paroxysms of joy talking about Calvert Lewin's fitness today. Was he really? He seemed. Uh, the words were carefully chosen, um, yeah. and and we've heard it all before. So that was a bit of a downer for me. Yeah, Mopay's got everything to prove, and as Joe 
right, quite rightly said. I nearly called him Connor there, by the way, when I was looking at the screen. Mm-hmm. I um, said they caused trouble. Yeah, 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 Jesus, Jesus. stop doing that to him. Bloody hell, yeah, yeah, and... And I've completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, I think I think Mopai absolutely. It is a chance. And what I'm saying is, he's only been here ten games at the time, and yeah. you know when we're trying to get a team together, and and he could quite goes back to what I was saying on Monday. Quite, turn, you know, fair him to turn around and say, "Well, where's my service? Where's my service? You know how he, you know." You know He's probably not going to have this conversation. But you say to Frank, how are you going to set up the team that I can get service? Because at the moment, he's just starved his opportunities. And I think that, that going back to what I was saying before, that's that's the key thing, isn't it? It's not Mopay having something to prove. It's the entire forward line. Let's extend it. The entire team has got something to prove. Yeah. And um, Mopay will only be as good as what the players around him will perform, the level they're performing at. And if we can get the wide men playing consistency and getting the right blenders right, and we can get a will be in and around the box, then I would expect Mopay to look a, a far better player than what he has done over the last couple of months. Yeah. So I don't think we can just look at players at the moment. We've got to look at the entire team, haven't we? Um, but yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see who we bring in. You know, what, what sort of style of player, player they are as yeah. well would be the, the key for me. Yeah. I mean, Connor, how much does it concern you that the, the team is seemingly geared up for Calvert-Lewin and then obviously you're having to depend on, on Mopé uh, as, as the main striker, I suppose? Also, as a second part to my question, it's probably not too much of a surprise and to see somebody like Tom Cannon coming in and making an impact when he, he's more of a like-for-like replacement for Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, I think that, that's been the one, I think, disappointing thing of all oh, this is the way Everton just seems so set up tactically for Calvert-Lewin. They don't seem to be able to, I think Joe touched on it earlier, they, they don't seem to be able to freshen things up and change how they play and change how they approach games moving forward if, if Calvert-Lewin's not leading the line, which, you know, for large parts of this season, he hasn't. I think that's been the one area that, probably the one grain mark I would have against Frank Lampard as coaching staff is that they probably haven't changed it up as much as they probably should have done and probably need to, given, you know, Calvert-Lewin, obviously, the whole was you were back fitness summer and he'd be coming back in, but I always thought it was a little bit kind of you know, ambitious to think that Calvert-Lewin is going to come straight back in and play 20 straight games because, you know, he's not really done that since, except for the season with Carlo, you know, but even that season, he had injury problems and missed games. So I think it's been the one grey year that Everton have been so much set up for Calvert-Lewin that they've not been able to change and adapt. And maybe that is why Tom Cannon would be, you know, a good option. You can see why people could rightly say, you know, he might offer something different because he's more attuned to playing the number nine role and what more plays mean. You know, there's times where you, you see Everton going forward and more pay probably behind the two wingers. You know, he, he's dropping deep to get the ball. And Everton haven't got to fit a central put move in, in, a, in a, an attacking area. So that is frustrating. But I think now, given they've had six weeks to wear together, like Joe said earlier, now is the true test of all that because, you know, there's no there's no falling back anymore. You know, even Dwight McNeil, for instance, you know, came right to the club in the summer. So he, his argument could be, well, I missed large parts of pre-season when he did go through shape. I think, you know, he come a week before the season started. So he's had no time to adjust. So I think now is, is where the, the, the questions will really come because, you know, if Everton can't change and adapt to mix things up moving forward, if Calvert-Lewin isn't leading the line, then I think Frank rightly has questions to answer because they've had six weeks to work on this. They've had six weeks to put things in motion. They've had, you know, six weeks to, to work on patterns of play, which shoot me on more pay, which shoot me on Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which shoot the wingers. 
now's the time to see what that comes to fruition because, you know, starting with Wolves, these, these are big, big games for Everton and they've got to hit the ground running. They can't afford to be playing catch-up going into February, end of January. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, one thing, Joe, that um, struck me from t- this morning's um, press conference was um, the, the response on, on, on the contracts, Jordan Pickford uh, in particular. Um, Frank was asked about um, the three players, Anthony Gordon, Alex Awobi and Jordan Pickford, and he said that uh, in terms of new contracts and reaching agreement, it, it was close. I'm just getting the, the direct quote up here. He said, hopefully it's a situation where we want the players to stay and they want to stay here. That's always been the feeling. They're very close. And then he had a follow-up question where he talked about how he felt that Everton could uh, meet um, Jordan Pickford's um, ambitions. It was very interesting to hear him talking in, in such positive ways about about that. Yeah, I think the reality is with the contract situations, I think all three are in relatively decent positions. You know, Amanda Sanders with Anthony Gordon are not a million miles away, obviously, until anything is, is, is signed then, you know, you can't take anything for granted. And the danger is that if we get into January, well, we know there's a bit of a butterfly effect that can happen in the transfer market. There was in, interest in Anthony Gordon, heavy interest in him over the summer. There may well be again this January as as for as for Pickford and, and maybe even a Wobi only takes an injury somewhere or someone, you know, to sell a player or a player to become unhappy or something like that for you know, clubs with lots of money to spend to start looking around for talented players. And Everton, you know, Pickford, Iwobi and, and, and Gordon are, are, are very talented and amongst some of Everton's best. So, but I think the situation is, I think it's positive on all three counts. I think Iwobi's not a million miles away. Um, I think Anthony Gordon is, is you know, it might not be imminent, but it, I don't think it's a million miles away either. Uh, and then I think I think everything that Frank said about Jordan Pickford is, you know, my understanding is it's true. You know, I think he, I think he genuinely really likes being at Everton. Um, you know, he he got you know, obviously players have access to boxes. I mean, Jordan Pickford took up one of um, the, the Goodison Park uh, boxes this yeah. uh, this season. Uh, obviously, they have to pay for them themselves, but he did it and he had it all done out in a big picture of him playing for for Everton. Obviously, for his family and friends to use for every match day. I think he. He has his root, you know. He has his roots elsewhere, but he's been here for a while, and, and I think he likes it. I think um, I know there's interest in him from elsewhere, but I think that you know, I, I think his camp are more than happy to negotiate with Everton over that. And I think it's positive news. So you know, we'll we'll obviously see how it goes, and we know that that area of the club, you know, the financial side of thing is one that's going to be working in overdrive at the minute because we've got, you know, transfers and things like that. So Everton are going to be looking all over the, you know, certainly all over Europe and all over the country to see what they can do, who they can bring in and things change, you know, minute by minute. So where contracts and players and deals and ingoes and outgoes will sit within that, you know, obviously it'll be quite a fluid situation, but you know, I think Frank was positive on all three counts. And I think, 
you know, my understanding is he has reason to be positive on all three counts. That doesn't mean they're done, you know, until they're signed on the dotted line. They're not going, you know, they're, they're not done. And obviously, as I say, January can have a destabilizing effect. So, you know, if they are over the close to getting over the line, I think everything should do everything they can do to do that before January the 1st. Um, but yeah, I mean, Frank was quite positive, said they're all close, and, and that's my understanding of the case. Yeah, I mean, Gav, what did you read into that? I know in the, in the last podcast, you obviously you mentioned that you you perhaps feared that Everton would have to part with another saleable asset um, next summer, and I would argue that Pickford was probably the most obvious one in in, in that respect. So, you know, he'd only have one year left on his contract come next summer, and you don't want to be losing an international class player for nothing. Um, so. What did you actually make of those remarks in, in terms of Pickford and the Interesting. Contract? Yeah, yeah, because, of course, contracts work both ways, don't they? They work yeah. for the club in that you've got the play, a new contract, you know, the players committed to you in theory, but it also protects the value and increases the value. Yeah. Because Pickford is worth far more having just signed a new contract than with one, you know, one year left. I mean, yeah. more often than not at Premier League level, you did you, you, your value is not your value as a player, it's the value of what's left on your contract, yeah. isn't it? Is, is, the, is the main determinant. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the bad news, the good news is, yeah, players had new contract, yeah, looks great. But then the, the bad news, I suppose, from that is, well, actually, if they did, they might leave, but then it's fair, the good news, that people get a good fee for them then. So, I, 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 still, I still have at the back of my mind and haven't, at the abacus houses, you don't have to be a genius to realise that actually, you know, we've still got a hell of a lot of money that we're overspending on wages and transfers. <coughs> and that the only way to, if you get players in in January, the only way to uh, into balance, I want to be, no, not even got to balance the books, is to try and keep us within financial regulations to sell a, have a Richarlison style, Richarlison style sale at the end of this, this financial year, i.e., before the end of June. And, um, It'd be interesting to see how new contracts play into that conversation. Yeah. Um, but it, it's always good when it's a, it's always good when you hear, you know, Pickford likes that is happy to stay here. I'd also be interesting to see, and this is like a sort of thing about like the the way Delwell is going to operate. Is it would be interesting to see what salary they're on, because the likes of Pickford came to the club when we had like quite a lot of money to spend or thought yeah. we had a lot of money to spend and they were on big wages so if you're Pickford now you're coming to your last pick but I don't know is he 27 is he 28 and then what I would say Gav as well after a good first year at Everton in 2017-18 they rewarded him with an improved contract after that in 2018 yeah, yeah. so it would be interesting to see bear in mind like Kevin Thelwell's spoken about financial restraints and getting the wages all equalised and I know Brands mentioned that as well is it would be interesting to see Pickford on his last big contract, what his what his expectations are, and whether that sort of, you know, what players are like in the dressing room. Somebody gets a massive increase, all of a sudden they get itchy feet, and then the club's in a position where actually we're trying to reduce the wage bill on one side, as we know we're trying to get other players, but actually to keep our best players, we've got to give decent increases too, yeah. and. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Thelwell manages that, because we be, anybody, somebody like Pickford or the Wolby, will be given they will expect increases in what they're getting at the moment when they're on already good salaries, but it's money effectively the club hasn't got, 
And so, and that could unsettle everybody else. So, how that's managed by the director of football, I think, will be fascinating yeah. to see how that that plays out. Um, and yeah, it's it just that that would be the other interesting aspect to it is if they get a new deal, we probably won't find this out, by the way. But what that deal is, yeah, that, that's interesting to me. Connor, when, when John Pickford came to the club in 2017, it was the, the summer of Everton's record spending. Um, they were in Europe at the time. They've not been back there since. Um, it's probably fair to say they, they, on the field, the club haven't been sort of reaching those expectations. He, he, he'd have thought he'd be getting a Everton of regularly being in and around um, European football. But I just so, I wonder what Joe's touched upon as well, what Frank was saying today. It's not the be-all and end-all of that. Champions League football for all these England internationals. Perhaps the way seemingly the rest of the country is against Jordan Pickford and the fact that Evertonians have backed him so much. I wonder if that actually plays a part in his thinking. I think it does. I think, you know, you're gonna, you want to, like anything, you want to go somewhere where you're going to be loved. You don't yeah. want to go somewhere where you're not going to be liked. And, you know, we've, you know, all seen it. And we around the country, there's a lot of places where Jordan Pickford isn't liked. <laughs> and people have got... Well, to go In a negative way. So, I think, obviously, you're going to want to be someone very loved. I think the club have kind of back, always backed them, haven't they? They've always had us, you know, always kind of had us back. They've always supported them through the, the tough times. You know, yeah. been a few tough times in this time and Everton. So, yeah, I, I think that does have a big a big impact because I think, you know, the, the position he's, he's in, also, I think as well, you know, the fact he's England number one, you know, and he, he kind of keeps that place because he knows he's going to play for Everton every week. You know, the grass is always greener, is it? You know, you go somewhere else, you see players who excel, you know, at clubs and then they go elsewhere. It doesn't quite work out for them. You find themselves in the fringes or out the team. And, you know, for Jordan, pick for, you know, if he was to drop out of any start 11, that'd have a detrimental effect to his England number one spot because, you know, the, the calls for people like Ramsdale and the pub to play will, will grow, you know, ever more because they'll probably be playing every week. So, I think it does have a big impact on the love and support he's had from Everton supporters and, and the club itself that he, he is keen to stay because, you know, like I say, you do want to play somewhere you love. But I do think it's interesting with the contracts going back, what John and Gav have both touched on in terms of the deals as well, whether they'll have any release clause in them. Because we see now in football, you know, very rare a footballer signs a contract without some sort of release clause or some sort of, you know, trigger, you know, something, you know, you think there's been times in recent times where. You know, plays up if a Champions League clubs in for them, they have the right to speak to them straight away. It'd be interesting to see what if there's any of them clauses in these contracts as well, certainly in the terms of Pickford and Gordon, because you know, you, you do suspect that they, they will be subject to speculation even if they do put pen to paper on these new deals. So it'll be interesting to see what, what the makeup of these deals is because you know it's very easy to sign deals. We've seen Everton players commit commit the future to the club in the past and then you know they've not being with the club a year or two later. So it will be, I think it is and it could be an interesting time if they do sign these contracts. But the good thing with Everton is that these players are going to sign the contracts because it puts them in a lot stronger position either way moving forward. Yeah. Joe, I suppose um, what Gav's already said, though, um, it does put them in, in a good position, whether these players, not, no matter how long they actually stay at Everton, if, if they've got a big chunk remaining on, on, on their contract, that's obviously going to increase it. And their value. Ever, ever just don't want to be in a position where, as if they have to lose a player, they they lose somebody on the cheap. Yeah, of, of course. And again, like just going back to those those contract situations. Obviously, you know, if, if they're still outstanding in January, then anything could happen because you know they're good players, and you know, clubs will be looking for. And there's a few 
Champions League clubs that are probably going to be not a million miles off looking for a goalkeeper soon. But you know, everybody's in a everybody's in a better situation. Obviously, the Everton are in a better position if once once they're signed. Obviously, they have a greater value and it's the security of the of, of, of their long term future. And I think at the minute, what Everton haven't got is it's been one of the problems is they don't have a lot of top class players. So the ones that they've got, the ones that they've got, they want to make sure that they can keep and. You know the ones or the ones that they've got potential to to become top class players, and you know the likes of Gordon. That then, then they really have to do everything that they can to keep them. So fingers crossed, things can just get boxed off as soon as possible on those on those fronts. And you know Everton can put all their kind of financial and strategic uh, acumen towards finding players to finding players to strengthen the first team. You know, and hopefully as soon as possible. Yeah, and. Um... Gav, like we were saying um, earlier in the week, um, a new manager for, for Wolves, um, Julian Lopetegu. Um, not too sure what um, we're going to get with that, a different um, style of play, um, possibly. Um, they, they progressed in the week in, in the Carabao Cup. He wasn't, uh, wasn't playing saving for them, by, by all accounts. No, Sandy, run out though for it. For yeah. them, isn't it, really? Never know what I would say. See what his tactics like saying his name's a bit bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Really, um, I just I call him the Wolves nice. manager. <laughs> I call yeah. him the Wolves manager for the purposes of the pod. Um, he's, well, I think he's a four-three-three Masons, isn't he? I believe, and he's right. had this. Have a look at his career. Look at this. He's had like a, a really madcap career, hasn't he? Really, managed in Spain, and he bought out in Spain, didn't he? Before the World Cup, and then he was at Real Madrid for four months, and yeah. he's been at been at Seville. So he's. He certainly had an interesting CV. Um, as, on face value, I'm not sure whether he's going to be a, a ma- ma- massively different Wolves team to what we've seen before. I think he likes to play footy. I know the Wolves have played three at the back and then had two. Um, you don't know, do you really? I mean, my understanding is from what I've sort of been reading today is they, they've got a few injuries themselves, Wolves, I believe. Um, so they've had the problem like us scoring goals. So when it comes to our, you know, bear that in mind when we get to our end of pod predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You, it's you, you, do, you don't know really, do you? New manager, especially after six weeks, it could be could be interesting. Yeah, they have troubles off the pitch as well, haven't they? Wolves for a, for a while, which hasn't yeah. helped, um, and they are down there for the reason. So mixed bag, isn't it? Really, you just don't know. But we've just got to go out on on Boxing Day and just uh, play our own game and play to our strengths and hopefully the stuff we worked on in the in the six week break. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And uh, Connor, you you were hosting it earlier in the week and you you put it to us all about um, what Everton would need to do uh, with Connor Cody and able to play against his, his parent club. Um, we actually had a follow-up piece on that, and we've got the the, the poll results to what our, our, our readers um, thought. I mean, it was interesting. Um, Joe went for a, a different option. He th- thought that um, Frank Lampard might switch to the free centre-back system, which he may well indeed do, but only 9% of our readers want that. Um, um, 42% have gone for, for Ben Godfrey, um, 23% Yeri Mina, 14% Mason Holgate, and as I said at the time, and not necessarily thought it was the way people were going to go, but my choice, Michael Keane, just 12% for him. Um, game's around the corner now. Um, how do you see that one going? I, I don't I don't think it'll be Ben Godfrey. 
off the ball. I just can't see. The favourite of all the our readers of Ben <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to all listeners out there who, who voted for Ben Godfrey, but I, I would be shocked and very surprised if Ben Godfrey's thrown straight back in. Given yeah. everything you've got, you know, two at least, because obviously there's always question marks over Yeri Mina's fitness, even when he's declared fit. Um, two at least fully fit centre-backs who, who played over the last couple of weeks in terms of, you know, we suspect to be behind closed doors, families and you know in Australia. So I'll be very surprised if they play, you know, someone who's played one ninety minute one ninety minutes in or since he was stretched off at Goodison against Chelsea back in August. Uh, I'll be shocked to see uh, Ben Godfrey. I have a feeling it'll be a toss up between my Hakeem and Yerry Mina. I think a lot depends on Mina, doesn't it, and his fitness because I think Everton are a better team when Mina plays. I think that's statistically proved as I think results speak for themselves. They, they they tend to win a lot more with Mina at the back. The problem is, is that he just doesn't play. He's just not being fit enough as he to play the back for them. So I, I think a lot depends on him. I think if he's fit and available, Yeri Mina will get the nod. But if not, I think Michael Keane will be the man uh, tasked with, with, with filling in for Conor Cody. But I think either way, it'll be an interesting one because both of them obviously linked but moves away from the club in January. You know, you, know, you reported these yourself a couple weeks ago. You know, Michael Keane's attracting yeah. Premier League interest from at least three clubs. So there'll be no better time to put yourself in the shop window with you than getting a little around on boxing days, the Premier League returns and, and all eyes on it. So I think either way, whichever one of them start, will be a positive for Everton because that could get one of them off the books moving forward into January, even if it's just on, in the case of Michael Keane on loan. But I think a lot depends on Yeri Mina. I would like to see Yeri Mina start alongside Tarkovsky. Like I said, I think Everton just look a better team when Mina plays. I think he's you know, a bit underrated how good of a defender he actually is because of his injury problems. But... I wouldn't be too surprised if it's Michael Keane given given the nod, which probably means him and Mason Holgate will get the call. We'll all be completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, Gav, you, you said you went for Mina um, earlier in the week, and, and I suppose the thing is that the problem we have with Mina, as we all know, is that he's played less than fifty percent of the games, Premier League matches since he came to the club four and a half years ago. Well, I mean, this could be a, a glorious cameo for Yeri Mina. I mean, he'd play on Boxing Day and then. Cody comes back and Man City don't need it again. They can sell him in January. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what his percentage is over the last two years, Chris. I bet it's less than 50%, it's isn't down, it? Yeah. yeah, it's gone down. If it's more than 20%, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, there's, there's two ways of looking at it, isn't it? I'm, I'm definitely in the play him and put him in the shop window and say, yeah. thanks, Jerry. You know, show me fitness, you know, to prospective buyers. Or the opposite way is if he is fit, just don't play him because he'll probably break down in the first half. <laughs> um, so there's, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not joking there. Yeah. I don't know how many of his starts are good to say. His last 10 starts are good to say. How many times he's broken down? Be, yeah. eh? he, probably he probably wouldn't appreciate us pointing it out, would he? Because it's probably more than meets the eye, really. Well, yeah. you think that's the game against Arsenal when the Benitez last season when he came back, didn't he? And he'd been out for yeah. a few months. And but he says give the big build give him the big build up in you know in, in the press pre-match press conference about how he's back, he's gonna fix the back four. And he went after 20 minutes, we didn't see him again for six six to eight yeah. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing a good job of selling him here, really, are we? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> just I, I think no, though, seriously. I, I if you're just saying a one-off game, forget about everything else, people being transferred or being in the shop window, he'd have me in it every day. He'd be a first three centre half, and let's face it. If he'd have been fit for the last four or five years, he'd not have been playing. He'd be the team captain, wouldn't he? Yeah, and yet, and he wouldn't have had to make the signings they've had to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd, he'd, I mean, I, I suspect if he'd have been fit the last four or five years, 
we'd be in a far healthier position at the back than what we have been, to yeah. be honest with you. And um, I think it, when you look back on, you know, periods of time and, you know, when we, five or six years time, we'll look back at, yeah, we mean as good as some career and think, you know, what if? Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's, you know, the club's been unlucky, means being unlucky. I'd say that sometimes that he's not played. You suspect that some others may have played, would have just stuck it out. But um, I think it's like quite sad because I like Mina and he he seems like a good lad off the pitch and you you, you yeah. probably want to be in his company, have a drink with him and stuff. But he's uh, it's a, he's in the what if category, sadly. But for the one-off game, definitely. Yeah. Joe, um, even less love for your free centre-back option than for my Michael Keane. Um, shall, is that is that maybe um, because they fear what will that repeat the opening day of the season? Godfrey and Mina both go go off if, if it well, goes. No, I, don't think it's of that. I think it's because obviously it would feel like it's a step back tactically, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think that's the that's that's the problem with with, with going back to free centre backs. But I just you know I I just look at it. And I just think there's there's question marks over everyone there. You know, yeah. Mina if he's fit. Brilliant, like you know, you start him alongside Tarkovsky, you're flying. But is he fully fit? Also, if, if you know they, if they're keen for outgoing, so they really want to risk him. Um, you know, that's another one. I just think the most sensible option might end up just being. Bearing in mind, I don't think he's going to go out well, Tarkovsky and Holgate. You know, um, I just wonder if maybe he'll just play free at free, mitigate the kind of the problems that he's got with players coming back from injuries or. Whether they're not seen as long term, you know, viable for the for, for the club, I just wonder if that's what you'll do. If you'll go Tarkovsky, maybe Tarkovsky, Holgate, and and Mina or Godfrey, you know, he he really has been reluctant to use Michael Keane. I think I did. He said he played for like twenty two minutes or something. This he came on for Holgate when Holgate got injured at at, um, at Brentford, and I think I think that's about it. I think in the Premier League for Michael Keane so far this season, so. You know, I, I just wonder if you might just go three centre backs. That's it, because yeah. every option with a two just is just fraught. You know, every option's fraught, and we know he's. I think it's fair to say from what we've seen so far, he can be a pragmatic manager, and he can be a cautious manager, and neither of those are necessarily bad things. And I just wonder if that's that's the way he might go. Yeah, interesting, though, isn't it? Because. He's, he potentially has a dilemma moving forward because if Mina or Keane or Hargate whoever comes in and has a stormer and it's really good, does he stick with them for Man City then on New Year's Eve? You know, because, you know, does he put Cody straight back in? It's good point. It hands him a massive dilemma, doesn't it, moving forward? Because whoever comes in, he's always man of the match and, and puts in a stellar performance. Going to City on the Saturday, do, do they keep the place? Does Cody come straight back in? It's, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds because... And obviously, going to City on the Saturdays, you go up to three centre backs because you've got to try and cope with Haaland. You know, essentially, does does he play three to try and cope with him and, and play you no know, more of a five? So it's, I think the next kind of week is going to be interesting to see how he goes defensively, mm. tactically, because there's the given the games and the options and what's available to him, it, it tells a lot. Because you know, someone like Michael Keane doesn't feature in either of games. You could pretty much write his, his Everton career off under yeah. under Frank Lampard while, while Lampard's in charge. Can you suggest in there and try and triple mark Harland? No, no. Well, they've got to do something trying to stop him because he, there's not, there's not more, the way you can stop him at the minute. <laughs> yeah. 
Right, before we get on to the predictions, I just want to ask you, other than obviously a win, what do you want to see from, from Everton on Boxing Day, given they've had six weeks to work on on this um, since uh, they were last in action? If I start with you, Gav, what, what do you want to see from the Everton performance? That's what I start, said at the start of the pod. A focus on coordinating, coordinated attacking play where it's quite clear that work has been done in the last six weeks to get us uh, enable us to create more goal opportunities than what we've done thus far this season. Yeah. Joe? I just want to, I just, I don't think there's any excuse for them not to be up for it from the start and for them to get, the, you know, win the fans over straight from the beginning. Like, I mean, as I say, the situation that they're in is just difficult. They were poor at the end of um the first half of the season going into the, the, the World Cup break. They've had six most of them have had six weeks there to freshen up to kind of get themselves up to peak physical fitness to think about how they're going to improve. So I just think they need to yeah, I'd be really disappointed if they have a slow slow start tomorrow. I can understand maybe a few nerves or things like that, but I just uh, I said tomorrow, obviously Monday we're recording this on, on Friday. Um I just don't think there's any excuse them to not start aggressively, proactively on the front foot and you know, the Goodison Park crowd, the home fans can be brilliant and I don't think that, I think it's up to the players to give, to inspire them to you know, to maintain the atmosphere that will no doubt be there when they start and I hope they do that. Do you want to see Connor? Well, first and foremost, we kept the social goals half time. Okay, it's one of the important things. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Gav laughed, but I've seen him demolish one and a half time. You can't have press room secrets given out on the But no, I think I think it's a combination of two. I think you want to see that Lampard as coaching staff will based on some sort of attack and plan, if, if, especially if Neil Mopey's given them not to, to lead the line, that you know it looks more kind of flowing and, and they look more like they're, they're going to score a goal. Uh, see anything from open play, but and with Joe, I just I think they've got to be up from it from the first whistle. I think they've got to be, you know, right on it, right in Wolves' faces, make it awkward, make it difficult, and and you know get put us back to that kind of bare pit forces that we know it can be, because ultimately you know like we saw last year, it's it's probably Everton's best secret weapon, although it's not probably a secret weapon anymore, but one of the Everton's best kinds of weapons to lose to three points, and you know like we've seen a season getting three points in the Premier League isn't easy. So Everton needs to use all they can. So I think, you know, got to be on it from the first whistle and ride up for it because a slow start and, and people start moaning and they start losing the crowds a little bit. It could become a long afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Prediction time for, for what I've said in, in a piece today. Um, depending on next season's um, fixtures, might actually be the last ever Boxing Day fixture at Goodison Park. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if I ever start off positive myself, I'll, I'll go with 1-0 Everton. Uh, Joe, what are you going to say? 2-0 Everton, Mope and Gordon. There we go. Gav? That was a great shout, that bag. By the way, Chris, you didn't realise that, but you could be yeah. like, couldn't you? Yeah, depending you know, if they go get away next season, so there's every chance, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I certainly hope it's not Boxing Day 1977. Uh, Man United 2 about Everton 2, Man United 6. Yeah, so we'll avoid that one. More Man United 85, Everton 3, Man United 1. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm cont- 
contractually obliged, of course, to remind everybody of my Boxing Day 1986 nightmare goes to Newcastle when the, uh, the car broke down on the Pennines and spent all day hiking to Leeds in basically cold snow and sleet to find out there was no trains to Liverpool. But um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be tight, isn't it? They're going to be, I'm just dealt that I think it's going to be tight and reflecting 1 0, I'd say. Uh, Evan, it does this stat, isn't it? What, have we got the best record on Boxing Day over the last six years than anybody else, isn't it? Something like that. Have we? Five minutes. 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 Five uh, to be yeah. honest, but yeah, I think it's going to be navy and edgy, yeah, isn't it for both teams? Yeah, I'll go 2 1. I just don't think Everton will keep a clean sheet. I think, I think okay, but we've all gone for positive results. That's what that's one thing for the, the boxing things. An additional strand do you think that all the center backs who start the game will finish the? Well, if you need us on the pitch, although, although, bit of a careful touch wood, this is nothing, but it wouldn't surprise you if Tarkovsky lands up alongside me and Tarkovsky goes off injured. Oh, I don't want to say that. Oh, no way. I mean, but to close the show, then he, he says that. So, and yeah, and um, wish everyone a Merry Christmas, despite the, no, no, those comments from Connor. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll, well be we back to look forward to here, bees, no gavs. Yeah, scoreline from back in the day, the 6 2, you know. Ah, yeah, we were there 20, 22 matches unbeaten as well. We hadn't lost since yeah. September. Yeah, there we go. That's right, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be joining you next week to to speak about that. I mean, obviously, as we say, pre- preparing for Everton's uh, New Year's Eve trip to Manchester City. But, um, thanks to Gav, to, to Connor, and to Joe, this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.